Hey, hey, Podnutians, welcome to the Mini PC Show, episode 105, Big Talk Little Machines. In case you're new to this podcast, here's just a quick description of the show. Mini computers, mini form factors is the future. Big form factors are fading away into obsolescence. So where all the action is happening, where all the excitement is happening is in smaller form factor computers, whether it be cube satellites, whether it be phones, whether it be Raspberry Pis, or whether it be edge computers happening on the edge. Hi, my name is Door Door Geek. This show is brought to you completely ad-free by our Patreons. And if you would like to be a Patreon, it is not difficult to do. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash the mini PC show links in the notes, and you too can support this show to be 100% ad free. Uh, this show is brought to you by Mark R. Uh, he has been a Patreon for an unknown set of time because I can't tell, but I will tell you, he's been a long time Podnut supporter, sending emails, letting people know, um, that he's here to support them and we are here to support him so thank you very much mark we are also joined this evening by flying rich how's everything going man good good i'm hiding out here in orlando at the orlando outpost it's actually quite nice got the window open it's not too hot and sticky well i'm correct correct me wrong but this is like almost the perfect time of year to be down uh south of like georgia yeah, uh, typically this is the dry portion. You know, if, if you want to say Florida has two seasons, a dry season and a wet season. Uh, so this is typically the dry season. So uh, uh, you may have to be more proactive in your watering of your gardens. Gotcha, gotcha. And tangent, because I cannot believe I have not told this to Rich yet, but I have to tell him now. And I also have to tell Tracy Holtz. I can't believe I haven't told him yet. Uh, it's official. The trip is booked. Um, next. Thanksgiving week, I'm going to be in Disneyland, uh, Disney World, sorry, D- D- Disney World. We ain't going to California. Um, we're going to Orlando, Florida. So uh, anybody in the Orlando area or around the Orlando area, I will be there. Uh, I believe I successfully bartered with my better, smarter half that we will be able to take one day and call it my day. And she can spend thousands of dollars on her and the boys, and I'll be able to hang out with other people. So that's your day, Rich. Whoa, cool. Wow, we got to talk. I'm excited. Well, the good thing is we have plenty of time. We literally have 10 months to pr- to uh, prep for this. Okay, I, I was getting prematurely excited uh, because I thought you were saying you're coming down for, is it PodFest, Pod something? Uh, PodFest multi- Multimedia Expo is going to happen, I want to say, in less than a month and a half here. I want mm-hmm. to say it's like three weeks here. I honestly, I can't afford it. Chris, first off, I'm happy to say this. I am a award-winning podcaster, thanks to that PodFest. Um, if I could afford it, I would go. They are unbelievably nice, unbelievably good people. If you are in the Orlando area and you want to meet uh, aspiring podcasters and extremely educated podcasters. I will say PodFest Multimedia Expo is maybe the maybe the most premier event you could go to. Oh, very cool. Now, if I just want to go and, you know, stare at famous people, is, is there a fee for that? Uh, I do believe that they try to impose a fee to get in the door, but there are so many doors they kind of can't impose a fee and there's no badges. Oh. Um, so you really well, okay, could just then. walk around. All right, but then does everybody know I'm famous if I don't have an entourage? Um, everybody looks at each other thinking, how can I become famous? 
Um, I will, and like everybody who is quote unquote famous, uh, they don't walk around. They have their own sectioned off area where they have their own top shelf bar where they get served freely without having to roam around the peasants, if you will. Is it rude if I take a call from a daughter right now? No, it's your daughter. While you take a call from your daughter, I will give a quick Pine Book Pro update. First and foremost, I will say, again, $200 laptop, unbelievably worth the value in uh, build build quality. I'm not saying it's a $2,000 plus build quality, but I will say it is easily a $300 build quality. Um, when I have the device, um, the battery is easily eight plus hours, typically 12 plus hours battery life. I don't have, I never have the screen at a hundred percent because I don't have to have it at 100%. Um, running the default Sesame Debian is unbelievably rock solid and stable. Not as snappy as when I run Manjaro arm from the SD card. Uh, for at least two weeks there, the Manjaro on the SD card would not connect to my home Wi-Fi. It would connect to my phone router, my phone hotspot, just fine. Uh, today, I had a 700 plus meg update on Manjaro. I just blindly said update. And then before rebooting, it said there was another 200 meg update. I didn't reboot. I live dangerously. I said, let's do that update too. So I did a 700 plus meg upgrade. Then I did a 200 plus meg upgrade after that. Then I rebooted. Everything seemed to work fine. I came home and now it is once again able to connect to my home Wi-Fi like it has no issue whatsoever. And I will say it is shockingly fast. It is definitely equivalent to running a Linux or Windows on a $300 laptop is what I will say. Um, it's not like an ultra book. It's not like a $2,000 laptop, but I will say it is unbelievably usable. Um, the Manjaro is running a plasma KDE desktop. And while I'm not completely familiar with it, it's not completely foreign either. And I will say, uh, I'm going to strive to make that my normal default install. But for right now, I'm going to leave the Sesame Debian on the internal drive run Manjaro from the SD card. And after a couple of weeks, if it remains stable, I will look at putting that on the internal card, then putting more experimental distributions on the micro SD card. Also, uh, there's been a lot of changes to the wiki on the Pine website for the, what they call USB external video, I believe is the term they use. Uh, there's been changes, there's been updates, there's been just, you know, new entries. I'm going to try to hold off on buying a USB-C to video solution because I want to buy something that is as complete as possible is the only way I can put it. Um, I, would I got like... an Amazon Basics cable for that, uh, that I run off my Chromebook USB-C port. Well, I will say looking at the wiki page for the Pinebook Pro, it might be a very narrow band of USB-C devices that are compatible with this Pinebook Pro uh, to be able to do external video. And here's the real kicker. I don't want to just have mirrored display. I want to have extended desktops. And, and, mm -hmm. and if you're familiar with how multi-monitors work, um, it's very easy to mirror the display. It basically uses no more processing power whatsoever. But I would love to be able to have my normal desktop on my laptop and then have a second 
completely different interface on an external monitor. So I, I'm going to probably hold off another week be, before I uh, buy something. Very cool. Well, uh, you know, I'm kind of jealous, although I, I mean, I'd love to buy one and maybe review it and then give it to a listener. And speaking of which, I owe Rain a package and I feel like a schmuck because I keep thinking I was going to do it. Uh, but I, I've been, I, I said this in the pre-show, I've been like a hamster on a wheel since Thanksgiving, I believe it was. It, it's been near no downtime. So very cool. I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, I want to get a pine watch. Oh, I, I injured my shoulder. Pine uh, time. Pine time. I'm sorry. I want to get a pine time. Uh, what I did notice with my Samsung watch is, uh, like I use it to pay for things and, uh, the Samsung pay works really good. I like it. Except it was really lagging, and I found I took a couple of apps off the watch that I wasn't using, and you know, decluttered the watch a bit, and things started performing better. So I was pretty happy about that. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I will say in the Mattermost server, we do have a user with a Pine Time, the Pine Watch, and a Pine Phone. Um, I am so. Here's the thing. I instinctively, gut reactionarily think I'm so jealous. Oh my lord, they have a Pine Time and a Pine Watch or a, a, a Pine Phone. And but but then I stop and think I have a Pine Book Pro. Okay, so we we both individually have very um as far as I'm concerned appropriate uh solutions for problems. Now here's the real kicker: we have O Droids, we have Orange Pies. We have Raspberry Pis, we have Arduinos, we have all these different companies trying to hit these individual niches or niches, however you want to say that kind of thing. But here's what I can tell you, I firmly believe now. Every day that passes, Pine is making unbelievably consumer-friendly hardware that are that has an unbelievable build quality fit and finish is the only way I can put it at an unbelievably reasonable price, which I believe is going to help bring in the hacker community, the development community. Uh, thus, hopefully in like a, a year or two, they'll actually be a brand that people know and recognize. But here's the real most important thing I got to say about them in relation to Podnuts Door Door Geek. I'm super happy to say they have not contacted me ever. They've never propositioned me. They've never tried to give me anything for free. Um, where you hear a lot of other people out there publishing content, I will tell you when you hear somebody speaking like really highly about the Samsung Galaxy Dex solution, or you hear somebody speaking super highly about some other solution, you really should ask yourself if they're being paid off, bought off, if they're nothing but shills. Because I can tell you right now, uh, Podnuts has no shills in it whatsoever. So when you hear somebody like me on Podnuts speak highly about a company, it's because we genuinely feel like it's a really good company. And I'm looking, I'll tell you what I want on my Christmas list, my Pine Christmas list. Uh, the watch, the phone, and the camera there are the things I'm looking for. That camera is pretty awesome, I will say this, but here's the thing. I will shoot you a link later, Rich. I will try to have the link in the notes because I don't have it handy. Um, a really nice guy, is the best way I can put it, Highlander in the IRC, uh, turned me on to a camera 
that literally costs around $28. It's billed as like a, um, um, a parental baby camera. I do believe the camera has the uh, pan tilt zoom controls. I also believe it has a, at least an infrared mode. I also believe it has a complete root mode where you don't have to have it connected with another solution. Um, Sounds like the wise camera. It was, I want to say, one of the type of wise cameras, but he, mm-hmm. but but like he said, he swore you didn't have to give any information to them whatsoever. Um, and here's the thing: I am almost with you. I really do want the Pine Time because you know I'm a nerd. I really do want the Pine Phone, uh, because I really want to have Linux in my pocket. Uh, but I'm really excited for the Pine Tab. Uh, because I really do want a desktop-like portable experience where I can literally, like, in the back of my mind, hear techno music like I'm a hacker while I sit down <laughs> and, like, type commands in, in order to get things done. Yeah, they're they're bringing a lot of cool stuff. So I, I'm very excited for that company. They're definitely one of the companies I'm psyched on. Well, and and honestly, Rich, this is February 2020. We have the coronavirus, or now it has a new name, the COD-19 or whatever. Um, we we have people dropping out of the U, U.S. presidential rate at like at a very high rate of numbers. Um, we have people in Germany basically dropping out of office. We have all these things going on in the world. Yet yeah, in the mini PC world, we really just have high-end manufacturers putting out mini computers or announcing mini computers and then we have pine announcing things and putting things to the street i don't hear a lot of other things that are exciting me in the mini pc world yeah there's always something out there there's things i want to play with i i still want to get a coral tpu that that's on my radar uh, but I, I still have a lot of stuff I haven't really unboxed and gotten to leverage effectively yet. Well, I will say between you and me, Rich, and maybe, you know, SGJ, uh, John, Chad, Corey, uh, Red, and a couple other people who are watching us live. And if you want to watch us live, it's very easy. Just click the notes. You can either follow us on Twitter, follow us on Discord, follow us on Mattermost, follow us on Facebook, follow us on YouTube, and you'll be notified when we go live. We try to go live around 9 p.m. on Wednesday nights. Granted, it might not be every Wednesday night, but we try to do it on Wednesday nights. Um, What I will say is the world of mini computers, I think, is actually really like happening right now, and it's really fun right now. Um. I honestly think that we are again on like a precipice where we're going to have these uh, TPUs, GPUs, um, edge computers kind of things doing another round of explosions. Uh, We have Intel trying to change the game again, trying to like keep up with the rest of the world kind of thing. Uh, We have the ARM consortium who are doing a lot of, I'll just say this, interesting things. We have Broadcom in my humble opinion, secretly kind of backing Raspberry Pi, trying to get them more publicity, getting them more airtime. And the best beneficiaries of all these technologies isn't Elon Musk shooting up these micro satellites trying to do like Starlink stuff. But instead, I think it's people like me and Rich who, who can't stop buying these 
many form factor computers and just experimenting on them. Well, you know, one of the things it's, let's see, um, I don't know if I'm beyond the gratuitous thing because I like everything to be functional. I, right behind me is uh, a Pi 3 with the dongle doing uh, Pi Aware, so it's monitoring airplanes flying by, which I, two things I like about that is one, I see the airplanes, two, I actually get weather from the ADSB, so it's kind of cool for hyper localized weather where I am the center. Um, but yeah, a lot of these things are doing good things for me in automating things for me, and, and I'm pretty excited about it. Well, and, and I'll say I almost got upset, Rich, because I have my Rock Pro doing my next cloud instance, and I am really, I'm not going to say I'm as happy as I was when I had the um, old hardware uh, running for my um, own cloud instance, which I honestly now can't even remember what the hardware was called. It was uh, Orange Pie. No, I thought you had a Banana Pro. Banana Pie Pro, thank you. Where that ran for literally three years straight with no issues. Uptime was over three years. Right now, <laughs> I'm running the Rock 64. It's been up for months and months, and I will say I am really, really impressed at it. Um, and then I have a Raspberry Pi 3 doing a um, um, Pi Hole, mm -hmm. which I've had lots of problems with. I've had to reflash really? it. I've had to reflash it at least three times in the last six months because it just all of a sudden the like web admin portal will stop working and I don't know why. I, uh, I've had zero issue with mine. I've installed mine from DietPi though. Oh yeah, mine's on on DietPi and it, and at one occasion the DietPi update would not take, so I don't know what was going on. Okay. Uh, and in my garage, I have my I have another Raspberry Pi three doing my OctaPrint. Um, 3D printer server, which has been running, honestly, really spectacular. Oh, good. Yeah, you were having issues with that. Well, the issue is Wi-Fi, where it will randomly go to a different IP address, even though I have a reservation in my router. I think it's a my router problem instead of a Raspberry Pi problem. Mm -hmm. and, and for the people that don't know what Octoprint is, Octoprint takes a regular 3D printer. You can add additional features to it, like... Um, like filament sensing, uh, you can put a camera on it and, you know, a webcam. And so you can actually see the print. Uh, what else can you do? It actually acts as a print server, like, uh, like a laser printer server, let me say, you know, where you're printing paper out. So, and you can add all sorts of different features in there, uh, and really have a robust environment to control the printer. So it, it, Either you would have had to have your laser printer plugged into your computer, a laser printer, a 3D printer plugged into your computer, or you had to do sneaker net with the micro SD card. So this eliminates those things. Yeah, it literally turns your 3D printer into a computer with 3D printing functionality. Um, then I have a Raspberry Pi 4 with the ice tower cooler running as a desktop where I'm um, monitoring the streaming server, I'm monitoring the stream, and I'm monitoring the overall health of my network. So it's running spectacularly well. But here's the thing. The other day I said to Self Self, I would like to install Quasal-Core. Quasal-Core, for those who don't know, it's an IRC core server where I install the core server. I then connect it to Freenode or another IRC server, and then I connect to it. What it enables me to do then is to have a permanent 100% uptime in IRC 
where it caches everything that happens when I am not connected, then I connect to it when I want to connect to IRC. But then I everything I found said it wants to be on a regular Raspbian installation. And then I stop and I look around. I'm like, well, I have Diet Pie running the pie hole. I don't think I should install it on there. I don't want to compromise the integrity of my pie hole. Then I look at my next cloud. It's running next cloud pie. And I thought to myself, self, I don't know if I want to compromise how my next cloud pie is running. Then I looked at my Raspberry Pi 4 and I said, I don't have that running 24 hours a day because I shouldn't have that running 24 hours a day. So I'm not going to install it on there. So then I said, my Octoprint server, well, the IP address thing kind of flakes out once in a while. So I don't think I should install it on there either. I can't believe this, but I think I might have to buy another Raspberry Pi computer just for this Quasal Core thing to work. Now, is that something could run on a Pi Zero? I cannot. Zero W. Right. Well, either a Pi Zero or a Zero W. I can't see why it couldn't because it's literally IRC. And for those who don't know, IRC is almost like saying, I want a computer to emulate a computer from the 1970s. Um, Anything can communicate and perform like something from the late seventies that is sold today because the requirements are so little and small. Um, I also do have a, uh, a um, nano Pi mini. I want to say it is where I, I might decide to use that, but I'm not sure because the temperature on this thing was kind of insane, but, <laughs> but I keep telling myself I'm going to get back into IRC because and here's the real thing. Um, I have systems in place to when I want to share something on my um, phone or my laptop, I just click a couple buttons and I can publish it to reddit.com slash r slash podnuts. I can share it to my Google Hangouts with Rich and Brian. I can share it to my Voxer chat. I can share it to my Mattermost server. I can share it to my Discord server with all those with like very little friction. I can also share it to IRC with unbelievably small amounts of friction kind of thing. And I keep saying to myself, some of the best people I've ever met in my life I met in IRC. Some of the smartest people I ever communicated with, I communicated with in IRC. So maybe I should also be back up on IRC. So I'm trying to figure out if I do want to go like all in and have this server standing by caching everything in IRC. So when I'm not able to connect, people can literally drop me messages that I can pick up later. And I don't know. Um, can I, you take your SD card from a Pi 2, put it on a Pi 4, Chad, uh, in our YouTube chat? I want to say technically, I don't think it will work when you jump from the Pi 3 to the Pi 4. The architecture was so much different. I don't think it will work. I will say Pi 1 to Pi 2, Pi 2 to Pi 3, and the Bs and the everything, you could easily take the SD card and swap them inter, inter, um, inter, um, changeably, and they will just work. I do believe when they went to the Pi 4, the architecture changed just enough to where it I think it there's some work. libraries you have to change. Uh, boy. Yeah, but I, I know it's it, it probably will not work based on what I know of it. I, I believe there's a couple of libraries you got to swap out, and it will work after that. Yeah, I'm not going to say I know what libraries to swap out. Um, I'll say this. If you're trying to go from any other Pi to a Pi 4, I would say stop and let's evaluate what are what is running on it what are the tasks you need to be transitioned it might be easier to just back those things up and then start from a fresh install 
Yeah, nuking the cave is always a good idea. Well, I'll say this. Yes, there is a certain advantage to starting clean. Not trying to sound, you know, German-like from 1917, but, you know, there is a certain advantage on a computer to not bringing things forward, but instead recreating them from scratch. Um, I have had that experience, at least at work, where I had a laptop that just the trackpad started going nuts. And I said to self, self, I know I can take this internal drive. I can image it. I can get a new, new laptop and I can mirror it back. But, you know, I'm not sure I need everything that's running on that laptop. So let me just start from scratch. Granted, it might take me three months to get everything set up back again to where it's in like perfectly running order. But at least I know it should be more clean. So, and I will say this, um, there are over 27 links in the spreadsheet since we've been able to hang out here, Rich. Um, and I encourage you to at least like peruse them once in a while. But is there any, if there isn't anything that uh, caught your eye in the notes, there was at least one thing that caught my eye in the notes, particularly because I do think somebody secretly involved in the project communicated with me directly on Reddit, which makes me feel special and not like my mama told me I was special, but actually special. Sure. Go with that. Um, it was line one, one, seven, seven in the notes. Uh, I do believe it's entitled Gumstick Raspberry Pi AA Battery Board. Um, essentially what this is, it's a board that you slap on top of your Raspberry Pi Zero, and it enables you to put two AA batteries in, in it and power it. Uh, I did hear at least one podcast completely incompetently say, well, how long is that going to work? Um, ARM computers, the whole reason to have ARM computers is because they're insanely efficient, okay? Even if you're running a camera, okay, a camera, which is maybe one of the most power-intensive things you can do, a Raspberry Pi, recording everything to the SD card, you will get over four hours worth of video. Where if you're not using video, I have no problem saying you'll probably get between 12 and 18 hours worth of battery life if you're just opening up the Wi-Fi, seeing what's going on, and then, you know, recording what you see kind of thing. Nudge, nudge, know what I mean? Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of... So the problem with software nowadays is, uh, you know, this is the... I walk to school in the snow barefoot, uphill both ways... Um, is now that you have so much memory and so much everything, there's no reason to be economical. And the other thing of economy is, you know, one, writing your code economical, and the other thing is writing it so it's power efficient. Nobody does that. That's that's unheard of. And, uh, you know, just, just like your phone, your phone may last eight days, but with all of the apps that people run on it and them phoning home, it's not. So... Yeah, st stuff that's going to soak up power is going to be your Wi-Fi, um, you know, whatever it may be, whatever overhead. If you strip that down, yeah, you're going to get a long life out of it. You know, it's kind of like driving a car. Uh, if I drive aggressively, I get 16 miles to a gallon. If I drive conservatively, I'll get 20-something miles to a gallon, you know, mid-20s. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I will say to Chad in the chat, if you're running an Octoprint server, um, what I would do is literally just go into the plugins, see what plugins you have installed, and just start fresh. Um, because with Octoprint, there's to me in my experience, 
I've started fresh now three or four times because I keep breaking it. Uh, it's super easy to set the printer up. It's super easy to select the camera. That's not a lot of work. It isn't even worth backing that kind of information up. It is worth backing up which plugins you prefer, is what I'll say. Uh, to actually copy a card over, back it up, and m modify it will probably take three to five times longer than just starting fresh and reinstalling your Octoprint uh, plugins. Um, and I will say this uh, Raspberry Pi Zero battery board does cost a fair amount of money. Where I believe the Raspberry Pi, the cheapest Raspberry Pi Zero is five bucks, where this board is 50 bucks. Um, but here's the thing if you need portable Raspberry Pi Zero power on the go, I'm pretty sure you're just going to pay the 50 bucks and get over it. Uh, besides, without sounding really dumb, this is a really compact, really neat, really professional looking solution is what I'll say, where you can literally just slap this board on top of your Raspberry Pi. It will work. You put the batteries in, you can put it in a cellophane bag or a 3D printed solution, and it will just work. And you won't only get batteries, but you will also get a three access gyroscope if that's something that you actually do need. Um, I want to see more of these kinds of solutions out there personally rich because i want to see those pins on the raspberry pi become more and more useful as time goes on so now, now that i've i've kind of been thinking about things actually today and so i i'm interested i'm cluster computing curious on a mini pc scale and one good solution is powering it through the pins. so I had the thought in my head, I was pretty sure you could do it, and this solution looks like, yes, you can power a Raspberry Pi through the 40-pin header, so you don't have to plug it in with a USB connector. So that's, that's a little helpful for me. Yeah, I mean, I have very mixed feelings about cluster computers because in some instances, the programs have to be expressly written to take advantage of that, where if, if you're going to have to rely on that to be well, Done. it depends. If you're doing distributed computing, that's one thing. Cluster computing, uh, you know, where you're running Docker, uh, that's that's different. Yeah, but I, I will say running stuff on just a Docker um, versus actual distributed computing, the functionality and the things you can do is extremely different. Um, um, the stuff you can do on Docker is really not much more than just like... Um, web servers um i haven't seen much more examples of where you could really do d diverse powerful computing on a raspberry pi solution and i'll say this the sad to me truth is with docker uh and raspberry pi is there's two ways you can do docker images one of them is uh based upon the processor um and that's the way that it has to be done for raspberry pi and it only seems like maybe two percent of all the docker images i've seen are built to be Raspberry Pi compatible, which I think is really a sad thing. Right, basically ARM compatible as opposed to Intel. Yeah, um, I will say um, we have had in normal circumstance insane amounts of breaches and exploits on IoT type infrastructure, whether it be light bulbs that have been misprogrammed or just the fact that there's been uh, exploits in uh, base protocols used on archaic type technology. Um, I, I will also say um, 
we had a uh, at least email from a listener that reminded us not only is this the new year time of year in china thus all shipments from china will be delayed we also had coronavirus stuff happening um i will say uh the one thing i will tell people not to worry about is uh the experts who have gotten actual um 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 examples of this coronavirus say it can only exist less than six hours outside of a body so even if someone sneezes on a product puts it in a box ships it to you if it takes more than six hours for that product to get to you the coronavirus is dead and no longer able to infect you so if you're waiting on things to be shipped from hong kong as long as it takes more than six hours there's literally nothing for you to worry about except for how long will it take to get to you that's why i'm not socializing with anybody ever again well i'm anti-social anyway um i will say um there was more than a couple links that i saw in the notes uh one of them that caught my eye was there was a link on the raspberry pi foundation uh, and this one caught me off guard, Rich. This was line 1181, I want to say, uh, because they were going through about some of the differences. And if you take a look at the picture of the guy, look, I am not one to judge because I am a nerd. I am a loser, whatever you want to put it. But if you take a look at this link in the notes, and I'm going to make sure the YouTube people get this one. If you take a look at this article on raspberrypi.org new raspbian update posted by simon long senior principal software engineer ux engineer um he looks like somebody who i would happily work with and make fun of i'm just saying okay um, so i i gotta say i am follically challenged everybody on the video can see that um this is what the hairstyle this fella has is what my friend calls a five head it's not a forehead it's a five head <laughs> um the the guy's losing his hair from the front working back but he has a long mane anyhow yeah and i'm going bald too and i'm unbelievably gray i put a hat on he doesn't more power to him rock on whatever simon long um there's a long article here, and here's the real gist of the only thing that caught my eye about this article. Yes, there's changes to the default file manager. I didn't realize, I'll say this between you and me, between the nerds in the room, I didn't realize that the default file manager in the Pixel Raspbian desktop was PCFN. That is a really good thing because that's one of the most uh, versatile file managers that, that ever existed, but it's also one of the least pretty file managers that ever existed, but they did a good job of printing it up. And if you keep scrolling down, one of the things that shocked me was, A, they finally have actual Orca screen reader accessible computing things available in the Pixel desktop, but you have to install Firefox browser, and when you install Firefox, you have to do a sudo apt install firefox dash e s r firefox dash eric senior robert kind of thing and then you can enable orca support if you need truly accessible computing that, or as those pilot people would say echo sierra romeo thank you and that's why you get paid from somebody else rich thank you very much um but then if you keep going down, there was one command I saw here, Rich, that literally made me stop what I was doing, and it made me look and do searches. And that is, I've never heard of this command before, 
sudo space apt space full dash upgrade. And I said to self, self, what the hell is that? I've never seen that before in my life. Okay, long story short, there's two commands. One is sudo apt space dist dash upgrade. And then there's sudo apt full dash upgrade. Okay, the impression I get is full dash upgrade will also remove unneeded applications, files, and drivers where dist upgrade will leave those kinds of things around. I believe if I read that correct. Um, but I like the fact they actually, in this article, not only show you screenshots, images, descriptions of what's different, but they actually give you commands to run in order to perform this upgrade. And I will say this, if this was anything except Debian, running these kind of commands would possibly lead to questionable results. But because it's Debian on ARM, you can't install a lot of third-party things. You're mainly just installing from the repos. So when you do this kind of upgrade, you're pretty much assured that everything you did is going to work unless you followed some crazy tutorials that you found on some, like, Czechoslovakian, they don't even exist anymore, some Czech blog websites. So the, the bird was nibbling on my earphones or earbuds. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and, and, I, and I will say this. I'm not saying, oh, man, I just closed that accidentally. I'm not saying that Debian is the best distribution out there. I will say this. When you run Debian, I know exactly what to expect. It's old, crusty code, but at the same token, it really is pretty stable, pretty solid, and there's really not a lot to uh, think about. It will just, quote, unquote, work. So are we going to read the listener email? Oh, yes, please. I, I'm not going to lie, Rich. Completely forgot. Okay. Okay, so we got a letter from Ahmed, and hi, I recently discovered your great show, which has helped me keep up to date with all the new and upcoming mini PCs and ideas for different ways I can use them. I just want to mention a great little board that I recently got for 30 bucks on Amazon, but I haven't seen anybody talk about it. It's the Libra Computer Renegade, which I haven't heard of. It's almost identical to the Rock 64. However, it's powered via normal micro USB. I know Libra computer boards like La Potato aren't well supported, but what's different about this board though is that it has DDR4 RAM clocked at 2133 megahertz, which is faster than the normal LP DDR3 found on many boards. It comes with one, two, or four gigs of RAM priced 30, 40, and $60. I got the Renegade board to replace my Pi 3 for better performance and faster transfer speeds. I've been running it for over six months with OMV, which is Open Media Vault, NAS with two terabyte hard drive to back up all my devices. It's been very stable with great transfer speeds. The really big issue with the board, however, is the poor support by popular distros. The manufacturer's website offers several images, including Android, which runs great, as well as Debian and Ubuntu server and desktop images. There are also kernel 4.4 Armbian images that run just fine, but the 5.4 images are still in testing. I hope this is a great low-cost co low board that gets more developer attention and better software support as the hardware is really promising. 
thanks for the very informative show and keep up the good work. And he's got links. Um, I got a suggestion. So um, run Armbian and you can do a Diet Pie install on top of Armbian which gives you a lot of the features. Uh, so if, if there is code that you want that's uh, normally found in DiaPy and there isn't a DiaPy distro for it, you can do the, I, I forget what it's called, but it's the non-supported board and it'll work. Yeah, and that will definitely expand the functionality of any distribution that DiaPy does not directly support is what I will say. Um, I will say this, I've heard plenty of times in the past about the Libra computer. Um, I'm going, I, 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 I really, honestly, I'm not trying to be insulting Ahmed, but I want to be realistic with everyone about this. And what I will say is this, in the past, these Libra board computers were almost like the Richard Stallman of compute modules, which I mean is that they were never at the same performance spectrum, they were always behind like two or three generations in performance. The advantage was they were completely Libra. They were completely flawless. They were completely free Libra open source software that you could run on them, which made a lot of people feel better. I do think that in very recent times, they've gotten insanely better versus the normal computer. I'm not going to say it's as good as the best rock 64 or the best raspberry pi 4 but i do believe this is probably coming really really close to it um i will say there will be a link in the notes to this one and i and i'm not gonna lie i am super tempted to buy one of these just to try myself uh right now on amazon you can only get the one and two gig version it looks like the two gig version at least is currently unavailable the one gig version is thirty dollars i will stress to everyone again if you're doing a non-GUI, a non-desktop thing, I'm not convinced you have to have four gigs of RAM. If you're doing a server-based solution that's not insanely database-heavy, you also, I do not believe, need four gigs of RAM. If you're just doing your own Twitter clone kind of solution or your own NextCloud kind of solution, I think one gig could probably get by just fine. Okay, so uh, I'm looking at customer questions here, and the first question is, is there a four gig version? The answer is there is a four gig version, but it's out of stock right now, and that was dated April 24th, 2018. So I don't know if it's currently produced board. Well, I'll say it sounds like you're a time traveler, Rich. You think so? I don't know. I was just hoping that would cause you to stop and pause long enough while I try to navigate this email and copy yeah, and paste all links. The, all the Q&A is from 2018. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, I will say also, um, it wouldn't shock me if we could go on AliExpress and possibly get a 4-gig version. <sighs> I'll, let's put it like this. I am perfectly comfortable with admitting to myself, to my wife, to my kids, to my coworkers, to Rich, to Swift in the chat, thank you, Swift, for coming out, or anybody else in the chat, that I have no problem saying I'm a first-worlder, and God, gosh darn it, if I could have a 4-gig version, I'll much happily pay the 10, 20 bucks more for the 4-gig version, because I want to make sure that there's no overhead or no bottlenecks that could stop me. 
So I'm going to personally look and try to research and make sure, see if I could find more up-to-date links where I, we can buy a four gig version of this. And if I can, I'm going to try to buy a four gig version of this, even though the email we got almost seems like it's from somebody on their team looking for more publicity, which I'm okay with. Okay. If you buy directly from China, you can get the four gig version. Uh, that's fine because without saying dumb rich, I like supporting people right down the street from me. I like supporting local people at the same token, the old company store, the coal factory where you didn't get paid in money instead you got paid in credits that you took to the company store. The evil things that happened were for the local companies as well. I support a local company when I can. And when I can't, I'm very happy with supporting a local small town company in China. I almost don't care. Um, as long as I get something out of it, as long as I get something I think beneficial out of it. Um, and I will say this, Tekana, T-E-Q-A-N-A-H. Uh, I really do. One of the things I encourage you, if you actually listen to this show, send me an email instructing me how to properly pronounce your name because my speech is not my strongest suit. So I'm pretty sure I just completely butchered your name. And Rich, I'll, I'll, I'll ask if you can to please make sure you share that link with me to the direct from China China link where, where we can get the four gig version. Indeed, I will. Very cool. And I will say on the mini PC front, one of the things that actually happened was Mobile World Congress was quote unquote canceled. It really wasn't. Every company that has something to announce in the form factor of mini computers, aka phones, they're going to still make their announcements. They're just not going to be at the event, which I do believe typically happens in Spain, Barcelona, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so when you hear things are canceled, you hear things are not happening. It isn't the end of the world. Um, and I beg people to not believe conspiracy theories, how this is some kind of plot going on. It's just a normal sickness that surfaces. And here's the real tangent. When Europeans came to America, Europeans were much more inoculated from much more diseases because Europeans were much more closer physically to much more broad range of animals before we came over. Right now, where this uh, disease is coming out of, it is from a sect of people who felt very comfortable being very close to other animals. Uh, so we've seen crossover diseases like this happen many times in the past, whether it be SARS or avian flu or any of the other things. It's just another one of them. And it doesn't seem like it's the end of the world, but we have to do our due diligence. Wait, wait. Or do, what is the uh, Podnuts policy on the PC naming of viruses? Because I, I didn't see that in the corporate memo. Uh, we name viruses basically what they are. Uh, oh, so I, I don't have to, I can call it the coronavirus? Well, for now, because it's it's literally um, uh, February 12th, and I believe it was only officially named earlier today, we're going to stick with the old name right now of coronavirus because I listen to everything at 5X, and I'm honestly not sure what it's called. I just know it sounded uh, stupid. COVID-19? Like I said, it sounded stupid. Well, that's that's so you don't hate Asians, because obviously Corona makes you hate Asians. But I hate all kinds of people all around the world. <laughs> You're an equal um, opportunity hater. It, exactly. Um, there's a link in the notes, Rich. Um, we this is the kind of hardware I really hope 
is at least moderately successful, yet I will never in my life buy anything like this, okay? Uh, this is a link over at CNX Software. Uh, and if you don't know what CNX Software is, you know, kind of like Double N Dan from Tilts, grow up. This is 2020. Um, go look at the website. What you'll find is an immense amount of knowledge and information being just, you know, like just given out wholeheartedly. Um, this is called the Caldeo, is what I'm going to guess. K A L E I D O. How did I miss this thing? I don't know. But it is the um, <laughs> screenless. Okay, I'm going to say this slowly. It is the screenless portable PC with built-in projector and foldable keyboard. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute. It's a computer that is screenless, that is portable, that it's comes topless. with a built-in projector and foldable keyboard. Okay. Whew. Okay. From the top down, you, you can clearly see a hinge. We're right above the, like, um, Z, right below the A. The screen, the, like, keyboard folds in half to be put away. It is not a short keyboard in terms of height. There's definitely some height to it. And on the back side of it, it basically has a projector built in to where you can take your computer around wherever you want as long as there's a wall for you to project your screen onto. Um, this is the kind of thing... It is uncommonly stupid, but at the same token, I really want this thing to be successful because I could see like the third, fourth, and fifth versions of this being actually really useful, really functional, and really affordable. What is the opposite of helium? Like when you inhale it to make your voice go higher, it's like sulfur hexathane or something like that that makes your voice go lower? That sounds right, but I can't tell you. Okay, so um, if you go to Orlando in one of the theme parks like Universal, they'll have, I don't know if it's a gas or something, and they'll project into the gas so it appears midair. That's what you need. I, I'm guessing it's probably sulfur hexathane or something like that because it's heavier than air. I don't know, but I like the idea of people offering mini computers or complete computers in a single, like, device kind of thing. okay I so like uh, there's two immediate problems uh other than the projection issue is one they don't show anything other than an artistic rendering of it projecting on the wall and two where where do you put the mouse after you fold it up why in your pocket of course i got a mouse in my pocket i have something in my pocket yep okay now this next one i wanted to talk about rich and it did not get uh correctly posted to our notes uh, line 1164. In our notes, it's just called full page reload. For some godforsaken reason, it makes no sense. The actual article, though, was called The Long Goodbye to Wi-Fi Has Begun. And I talked to you a little bit about this. I don't remember where. It might have been on Voxer. It might have been on Google Hangouts. But um, we here in the first world are the first also to, the ex to experience the death of technologies. And when we say the death of technologies, we're really just being over exuberant about things. It's the beginning of the mitigation of technology. It's always going to be there, but it's going to have a ever smaller role. Um, a lot of tech evangelists believe that Wi-Fi 6 really hasn't even hit yet. Okay. But when Wi-Fi 6 actually comes out and hits, 
it's going to be the last Wi-Fi standard that ever exists because after that, everybody in the first world will just have devices with 5G or 6G direct connectivity onto them. And after reading this article at um, uh, spectrum.ieee.org, I'm not going to say I believe them, but what I will say is I completely understand where they're coming from, and it sounds really plausible. Well, so it's kind of a generational aging out. It's kind of like our parents uh, didn't accept homosexuality. Our generation kind of like, ah, whatever. And our kids now, it's like taught to them in the classroom and they're cool with it. In fact, it's more open to be liking the same gender than it is exercising your Second Amendment right. Anyhow, uh, so yeah, this is kind of a long-term thing. This is going to go away after a very long time because you have a significant investment in Wi-Fi. And until all of those devices age out, uh, we're not going to go to a 5G in the home. And also, people that live in homes like mine that have steel studs, uh, basically it's a Faraday frickin' cage, and 5 gigahertz is useless in my house. 2.4 is the only thing we can use. Well, I will say um, with the most, there's two types of 5G. Um, There's the high frequency, low frequency. The low frequency stuff will pass right through steel studs like knife through butter. Uh, It's essentially the old UHF signal. Uh, And for those who say it's going to kill you, it's going to cause cancer, uh, do me a favor, call 1-800-555-1212 and just don't talk to me anymore. Talk to that. Um, The technology behind 5G is actually a technology that has been in existence on the planet Earth for over 40 years. It's just now we're apprehending those exact same signals, exact same frequencies for a different use case. Okay. so where the uh, spectrum that's honestly right now owned by Sprint is the 5G spectrum where it will pass through anything. It will pass through concrete and it will pass through six inches of lead with no problem. Um, and that's the kind of thing where in the future future, we as individuals won't even have to think about it. It will just work. Um, each successive year, we will have less and less devices relying on Wi-Fi. At the same token, the Wi-Fi adapters or access points we will have also have to accept less signals, less bandwidth, less throughput, so they won't have to be upgraded as quickly. And we're going to have more things directly connecting to, I don't even know what they're going to be called, but they're basically going to be high-speed internet hubs that are going to be 5G, 6G compatible, which are going to be almost like edge computers kind of thing. It's going to take like five or six years for these things to come out. But in the next year might be the best time to buy a router. But if you wait to like two or three years, it might be the absolute worst time to buy a router because you're going to pay a lot more than I think you need to. Well, we're um, probably going to see dual mode devices for the transition period. And I would love, honestly, Rich, I would love to have a Wi-Fi-enabled access point that also had 5G capabilities built into it so it could do both at the same time. Not only be a 5G signal booster, but also accept the old Wi-Fi signal. And as an individual, I'm really cheap. I could see me paying over $200 for that device. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. A good router will cost you 200 bucks easy. 
Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I do think while, you know, without sounding dumb, the only constant is change. The Everything is changing in every network. Uh, I do think that it's not going to be as drastic as it could be only because we have so many devices reliant on the old technology of Wi-Fi. So can I, can we do 1175? 1175. So better privacy encrypting DNS. Okay. So I, I actually didn't read this yet, but I, I've been curious about it, and that's why I brought it up. So well, one of the things, um, if, if your ISP provides your DNS, they know who you're talking to. Uh, I mean, of course, they also know the IP addresses you're talking to. So realistically, if you don't want your IPS, uh, ISP to be the middleman, you would get a VPN. And I hate the VPN commercials out there because it doesn't make you invincible. Well, I'll say first off to the layman people out there, DNS is like saying the address book. If you remember back in the day, the ancient it, phone book. Yeah. If I wanted to call up rich, I didn't pick up my phone and type the word rich into it. I had to go to the phone book and I had to find out, Oh, rich is that, you know, three one Oh five, 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 five. And then I would dial that number to get in touch with rich. DNS is the same thing. You you'd never go to google.com. You type in google.com and then this address book looks up the IP address and it goes to that. Um, there's a future thing coming called DNS over HTTPS or DOH. Whoever comes up with these acronyms, you know, they have a long way to go. Oh, um, you do. It will enable a certain amount of anonymity and privacy by default. And it's the kind of thing that a lot of governments and a lot of institutions are almost morally and ethically opposed to because it helps privatize your data, even from ISPs, internet service providers. Um, and in the analogs of history, the single unit that has had the most access to each individual's information and what they are searching for on the internet is the internet service providers. They're the people that provide the pipe from the business or the house to the public facing internet. So when they're compromised, all bets are off. So by using DNS over HTTPS, you're helping anonymize at least some of your activity on the public facing internet. This is the kind of thing I cannot wait for it to become real and to become popular and to become actually used because I want more choices in how I privatize my data stream. Yeah, I do think it's cool. I don't know when it's going to be like readily available to everybody to enable like in like one click kind of fashion, but I'm afraid to say, I think it's going to take months and months and months for it to be uh, available for everyone. I know, I do know, Firefox was already saying that they were looking at implementing it here, I want to say before April. So I, I want to give a shout out to uh, Pi-Hole and the, the people that produce it, because not only is Pi-Hole good for removing the ads from whatever you're looking at, but I'm on a metered line. I'm limited to a terabyte a month. Otherwise, I get overage charges. And nine-tenths of what you would normally look at on a new site is ads. So I've had a steep decline, thank you, Pi Hall, in the amount of traffic that's uh, going down my pipe. Yeah, I'll say I like Pi Hole, I respect Pi Hole, but dot dot dot. 
if you do a majority of your browsing on an Android device, don't worry about Piehole. Don't even install it. Just install a browser called Smart Cookie. It easily does 10 times, if not more, ad blocking than Piehole with zero effort. And if one thing that I feel confident in saying, the if something takes less effort and is better, it's easily the solution to go for. Um, if I could install this browser called Smart Cookie on my laptop, I would have already installed it, but I can't find no other way to do it. I load it up on my Android device. I load up web pages, and it is remarkable how quick pages load, and it's amazing how much less ads there are on it. Um, like Brave Browser is supposed to be the browser you can install, and you'll get less ads. I install Brave and I load Chrome and it's hard to tell the difference while I load Smart Cookie and I load Brave and it is clearly a big difference. Very cool, very cool. Um, We've been going on for almost an hour now, Rich. I'll ask you, is there any other uh, mini PC related things you'd like to talk about? Hmm. Uh, why don't we jump on 1164? That's the friendly ELEC. Talk a little bit of hardware. So it's the NanoPi R2S, and it's a Raspberry Pi alternative that integrates two gigabit Ethernet ports. So this board is very likely as small as it possibly humanly could be to house two gigabit Ethernet ports. So the idea behind this is uh, you could run this as a router. Um, Oh, okay. In this one, I, I remember there were two boards like this. This one does have a Wi-Fi module on board, which is cool. Yeah, you could run this as a router. You could run this as a gateway. You could run this as a firewall. You could run this as, a, I'll just say this, a bunch of different solutions, whether it be home or enterprise type solutions. And because they're both gigabit Ethernet, you could also literally put this in a enterprise type place and have it filter everything. And the actual impact to the network would be minimal, is what I'll say. So, all right, I don't know of any ARM-based firewalls that are freely available. I'm uh, guessing the, they're uh, The only ones I know are at, um, oh man, PFSense has an official website, and I want to say it's um, pcengineers.cn or something, and they're the only true ARM-based computers I know that are really enterprise-grade firewall-type solutions. Actually, Wikipedia is pretty amazing. Uh, so there's a list of router and firewall distributions, and it talks about what architecture they're available on. So there's an Alpine that's ARM. Uh, DDWRT, there's ARM. IP Fire and OpenWRT, there's an ARM distro. It, it, I, the, I'm doing this raw. I have no other knowledge of this. Uh, so yeah, there, there are a number. Zero Shell, uh, Tomato. Let's see. I don't see ARM for Untangled, because I, I know uh, we've talked about Untangled in the past. Okay, so there, there are ARM distros out there. Yeah, and I will say, this is the kind of hardware where literally, like 15 years ago, I would have happily paid 90 to, 90 to 112 dollars for kind of thing because me and tracy holtz used to sit there and debate back and forth how much would you pay 
for a dual gig solution that would that would be able to run whether it be IP cop um um PF sense a bunch of other solutions on them because then you could literally offer what would literally be multi thousands of dollars if not tens of thousands of dollars solutions to an enterprise for literally a hundred plus dollars because his logic was you could then say okay instead of charging fifty thousand dollars and five thousand dollars a year service contract you could literally say okay here it is five thousand dollars up front and three thousand dollars a year service contract and then just it, everything would be pure profit because he knew and i knew nothing about those things were extremely spectacular all you needed was dual gig nick and a basic processor and now you have the nanopi rs2 okay i i read something wrong the rs1 is the one that has the wi-fi module not the rs2 well i don't the only reason i would want the wi-fi module is that's how i would do like um failover cutover kind of thing to where I would have that be like the admin console kind of thing into it, where I would just have the dual gig NIC to be the actual through to the main network and the through to the main internet. Yeah. And I'll say the uh, Rockchip RK3328, while it's not the newest of the processors, I will say Rock has proven that their 33 series is very supported. I'll say, as best way I can put it, there's a lot of things available to run on it where there's a lot of ARM architectures where you really have to do a lot of manipulating in order to get things to run. Where if you can get an operating system to run on this RK3328, I think you'll find it not extremely complicated to get to get uh, software up on it as well. And here's the thing. Dual gig NIC, RK3328 processor, $19 for the board. That's pretty good. Oh, it's hard to beat that. It really is hard to beat that. Good call, Rich. Very cool, very cool, Rich. Um, okay, if people wanted to catch up with you, what's the easiest, most seamless way to do that? You can Google Flying Rich and you come up with a stink load of links or go to flyingrich.com. And my co-pilot here is Pebbles Bird, and he's on Instagram as Pebbles underscore Bird. Very cool, very cool. And I will say, if you do not bother clicking on the notes, don't bother contacting me because I want nothing to do with you. Because we're not going to spend 15 minutes at the end of the show proclamating how you can contact us on Twitter or you can send us an email here. It's all in the notes. Email, minipcshowpodnuts.com. Boom. Voicemail, 7076podnuts. Boom. It's easy. It's really easy. Follow us. All the links are in the notes. Twitter, Facebook, boom, boom, boom. Just go there, okay? And if you don't want to do follow us and you don't want to send us emails, fine. Just take a link to our show and share it with somebody you think is equally intelligent and you think might actually enjoy this type of content. Don't leave us a review on Apple Podcast iTunes unless you really love iTunes because leaving a review on iTunes does nothing for the podcast. Yes, you've heard other people say you help our podcast by leaving a review on iTunes. Well, let me tell you something. I have 10 times the podcasting experience of those people. Okay. Leaving a review on iTunes supports iTunes, not the podcast. You want to support Podnuts? Share the link directly with people you think would benefit from the show. Share the link with people you think that might actually enjoy the show. Share the link with people you think that I might actually enjoy communicating with. Uh, uh, otherwise, 
just keep downloading, consuming, and enjoying. My name is Door Door Geek. I love you. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for participating. Thank you for consuming. Thank you to Charles. Thank you to John. Thank you to Swift. Thank you to Bill. Thank you to Red. Thank you to everybody who came out live. Chad, you guys are awesome. Uh, do not forget mini PC show, big talk, little machines. You want some, come get some. This is pod nuts. Take it easy. Everybody we will talk to you in about a week. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP tech podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP tech podcast on the pod nuts network. The theme for my show is everyday tech for everyday people. We talk about windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology related. You can find us on iTunes and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen and let us know what you think.